0: Mac Power Users, episode 108, Mac Tips and Tricks. Welcome back to another episode of the Mac Power Users podcast. I'm Katie Floyd, along with David Sparks and Brett Terpstra. Welcome, Brett. Hey, thank you. Thanks for joining us. And, uh... This is a perfectly timed episode because you guys just came out with a brand new book that is in the uh, iBookstore, uh, 60 Mountain Lion Tips. So congratulations to you both on that. I've been working my way through it.
1: Thank you
2: very much. Really? Have you learned anything new, Katie? I've learned
0: I've picked up a couple of tips. I've picked up a couple yeah. of tips. Yeah.
2: It, you know what's weird about Mac Tips is that it's like a secret club. They There is no place that, you know, Apple makes it easy to find all these things. It's almost like they go out of their way to make sure that, that we don't know them.
0: So I, I think I know the genesis of this because I got to see the original 60 Tips session live. But for people who may not, tell us how this idea all got started almost a year ago, I think.
2: Yeah, so Brett and I and Merlin did a, a fun session at Macworld this year called 40 Tips in 40 Minutes. And the idea was to make it like a magic show. And we would just run through and do the tips really quick and not spend a lot of time talking about how we did it so people could figure it out. And uh, it was really well attended and people liked it. I mean, Brett, you had fun doing it, right?
1: I had a blast.
2: Yeah. So then we afterwards we said, you know, we should now show people how to do the tricks You know, not just show them the tricks. And and Merlin was really busy, so Brett and I decided we were going to do a book on it. And we wanted to expand it, so we we got up to 60 tips because, you know, you get to a certain size, uh, file size with those iBooks where it becomes unbearable for like the iPad 1. And so we figured 60 tips with all that video would be just about enough to fit on and not make it unusable. So we started writing a book on it.
0: Now you did a couple of interesting things with that original Macworld talk, and I don't remember, was the original Macworld talk 60 tips or was it like 40 or 50 tips? It, may it was weird. 40. Yeah. 40. But the Macworld talk was only like an hour or so, and the way that you guys decided to do it, which I thought was brilliant at the time, is you screencasted it, which was a tremendous amount of work, but it really had a flow to it. I think it was the only way that you could have done it and stayed on task and showed all of the tricks. So you had 40 different screencasts that you were showing up on screen, and then shortly thereafter, this whole iBooks author thing came out. And I, I know the wheels had to have been turning that wow, we've we've got all these screencasts, and I know you ended up redoing them all, but is that kind of when that when it clicked that this, this could be an iBook?
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah it Go was ahead, entirely but, David that had the idea. Uh he he was the The uh, driving force behind it said, hey, we did all these screencasts and we might as well make use of them. And yeah, we did end up, at least for my part, redoing every one of them. But uh, yeah, I'd I'd say David definitely had the the spark of genius on that. Well, I
2: don't think that any of the screencasts, in fact, I'm certain that none of the screencasts in the book were any of the ones we used at Macworld. Because uh, the ones at Macworld were designed for a live audience. Where there was no audio and we were spacing it out so we could talk about it and let things happen. Whereas the ones in the book are narrated. So, you know, when you watch the screencast, you hear Brett or I explaining how it works. And there's a different pacing for that. And there's just a lot of reasons why. And also, these are a lot of these are mountain line tips that we didn't, didn't exist when we gave the talk at Macworld.
0: Right. Um, because you gave the talk at Macworld in January. iBooks Author came out in what, like March or April? And then all of a sudden we got Mountain Lion in the summer, so it was like you had all of these major changes that happened along the way that that kind of made everything coming together into this book.
2: Yeah, but you know, going back to that discussion of MacWorld, I am increasingly convinced that giving live technology presentations, uh, screencasts are the best way to go. Um, I'm giving them, you know, a lot of these talks for different organizations, and I've just found that if you just screencast it ahead of time. You you know exactly what's going to happen on the screen, you know. I like I, I tried to do like a presentation in Chicago last year, and the internet went down halfway through the presentation. I needed the internet to work for everything to work smoothly, and it was like four or five really awkward minutes in the middle of a presentation that didn't need to be that way. And you know that's kind of what led to us with the idea of saying let's screencast all this stuff for this session we did. And actually at the end of the Macworld session, we did put our Macs on live and start doing some kind of rapid fire stuff. But the, um, but you know, if you're talking in front of people about technology, I, I really recommend screencasting it ahead of time. Although that's really not what we're here to talk about today. Is it?
0: This is interesting because it's a 60 tips book, but there's actually not a whole lot of text in this book. Where is you know this David? I know you wrote the paperless book before, and and there was quite a bit of text in the paperless book, although you had a ton of screencasts. How how is this book different from the paperless book from a from a production standpoint, from a time standpoint, from just putting it all together? And how how is this different? And and what do you, what do you think about the evolution of the the whole ebook or I guess iBook iBooks are very different than the traditional eBooks.
2: Yeah. You know, this book is very different from paperless. Paperless for me was a very kind of personal journey, um, as weird as that sounds. Uh, But this book is more, it's just fast and furious tips and tricks. It's just like the session we gave. And each one has a couple paragraphs explaining what it is and why we like it. But then the screencast is really where you figure it all out because you get to see it in action and, you know, see us create it. Like for instance, the one where I talk about how to change your send from account in email. You know, if you have more than one email account, it's a real pain to go up and click the box and all those things where you can just hit a couple um, key combinations and change the send from account. But you, that takes a lot of work, and to explain that with words and screenshots is really iffy. But to explain it with a screencast where you can show everybody how to go into keyboard preferences, how to set the keyboard shortcut, how to make it work, blah, 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 it's going to be a lot easier for the the user to adopt that into their life. So you know, we knew going in that the real focus of this was going to be the interactive element. And, and you know, frankly, Brett was the guy who did the layout, um, you know, because Brett's really good at that. And and frankly, the layout's better than the paperless layout.
1: I would, however, uh, contest the idea that there's not a lot of text. Uh, no, it's not a great quantity of text, but you can actually go through the whole book and get all of the tips uh, just from the text.
0: No, that's, that's very true. That's a good point.
2: And there's some of them where screencast didn't make sense. Like I, one thing that I, I use all the time are keyboard shortcuts to shut down or sleep the screen or whatever. Well, you can't screencast that, you know, because, excuse me, I'm getting over little cold. You can't screencast that because it's going to shut down your computer in the middle of the screencast. So some of them didn't get screencast. I think that the final number was um, 52 screencasts. And then there's an additional screencast talking about how to read the book. So 53 screencasts and about an hour and a half of video.
0: Brett, what was this project like for you? Is I know it was your was this your first experience with iBooks author?
1: Yes, it was. Um,
0: what do you think? Would you do it again? Would you run screaming if David ever suggested it? Or
1: nope, I already have some projects in mind, and I've actually uh, started on a solo. Well, it's not solo, but uh, producing a children's book because I got so excited about the possibilities of iBooks uh, while we were working on it, and I'm. Uh, I'm, I think the potential is extremely, uh, uh, well, it's, it's extreme. There's a lot of potential there for interactivity. Yeah,
2: you know, and as we record this, um, Apple hasn't formally announced the iPad Junior or whatever it's going to be called. But I. But suspect we got a yep. When, yeah, we got a yep as we record this. And I suspect that that's going to be able to read these books as well. And there'll be quite a few of those out there.
1: It's nice to be on the vanguard.
2: I, I I love it. I mean, it's exhilarating for me. I can't say how much I enjoy being out at the front of this with paperless and now this book and the Max burkey field guides. I um, I'm just I'm enjoying this more than is rational. <laughs> yeah.
0: How did this process work with you guys living um, really on different coasts? I mean, David and I have have often struggled podcasting on different coasts just because of time zone differences and you know if i want to podcast on a weekday you know i'm getting ready to go to bed he's just coming home from work but you guys are collaborating on a book with with audi- with not just audio which is you know big enough files as it is but huge video files going back and forth talking about layout talking about design how do the logistics of this work
1: we actually um we kind of kept our videos to ourselves for quite a while, um, just sending back and forth uh, Dropbox, the, uh, the text and layout of the book. It wasn't until uh, pretty close to publishing that we actually positioned all the videos and put together the 500 megabyte beast that it is.
0: Did you start with an outline of the book to figure out who was going to do what? So you didn't have any duplication of effort or...
1: A Google spreadsheet, yes. Yeah, I mean, we just
2: put together a Google spreadsheet and with the, you know, appropriate categories and we just started building it. We started adding, you know, we didn't even know what general topics would be until we started looking at what the tips would be. And we wanted to split it up between some tips that you know people who didn't know much about them I can get something from and tips that super nerds can get something from as well and i think we we succeeded in that i mean the uh, the final products got a, a nice range of tips but we you know we played with that for some time and then once we had the list down to something we were both happy with uh we both started independently writing for our, our individual tips and recording and you know so there wasn't as much collaboration as you'd think because uh we've got you know got our uh, we both got you know our heads down trying to get our individual tips done but we were always critiquing each other and and trying to find you know where things can be better like for instance i wrote and recorded several tips about itunes cuz there's a bunch of stuff in itunes people don't realize and then when Apple came out with the announcement to say, oh, yeah, we're going to gut iTunes and come out with something entirely new. And here's a little peek at it, but we're not going to really show you what what it is. I got really worried that the final book would have a bunch of tips in it that were obsolete a month after the book released. So I cut that whole chapter just to come out and um, I recorded some, some new screencasts about other things that I was interested in.
0: Yeah, and I don't think we've even gotten a beta yet of the new iTunes yet, so you couldn't have even played with that and included stuff from the beta there yet because it's not here, and then you would have had the whole other logistics of having to hold the book waiting on the release of this who-knows-when-it's-going-to-release iTunes.
2: Yeah, we weren't going to do that. No. You know, it's really fun writing these because I get these emails from people who who learn all these tricks from this stuff, and they tell us how they're – getting more productive and how they like using it. I, I really just enjoy the whole process.
0: Now you go ahead, Brett.
1: I, 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 I was really surprised by the number of the people that would, in my mind, fit into the super nerd category that learned a lot of, of basic, especially the keyboard shortcuts. Uh, the keyboard navigation stuff was a surprise to a lot of people. And it made me realize that there really is a place for, all range of tips in this because I don't think anyone knows all the capabilities of their Mac. I certainly don't No,
2: no, absolutely. And, and I learned stuff from Brett as I was doing the book. Cause he'd come up with a tip that I'd never heard of before. And, um, likewise. I likewise, and you know, it's, it's fun that I haven't heard from anybody yet who so oh, I knew all of those tips, you know, and at seven bucks, it's, it's 12 cents a tip. So you're going to find something in there you like.
0: Absolutely. Now, again, as you did before, you also did a PDF version. I think you learned that from the, the first field guide as it came out originally on iBooks first. And I would encourage people, iBooks is far and away the, the best way, the intended way, I think, to experience this. But there are still few people who don't have iPads. You, you can't experience an iBooks author book on a Mac yet. Apple hasn't released an app for that. Hopefully with this new iPad Junior or iPad Mini that's supposedly coming out in time for the holidays, with hopefully a lower price point, we're going to see iPads get into the hands of more people at a lower price point, so a, a bigger audience for these types of books. But right now, if you stuck with iBooks author only, you're limited to people who have iPads, which although that's a huge market, it's, it is a limited market. So you've also released these, you, you've got a, a website and you've released these as, as PDFs. How does the PDF version work?
2: Well, you know, it's it's really simple. It's it's a um folder that's got the PDF in it and then it's got a subfolder in there with every screencast and an iTunes friendly uh video format, you know, non DRM. You can just read it any way you want.
0: And and then you've got some kind of back-end sales system set up through that 60tips.com website that will
2: yeah. take yeah, care sorry. of it and send I, it to people. Exactly. And, you know, it's not just people who don't have iPads. Boy, my voice is a mess this morning. You're just going to have to, I guess, get over it. Uh, But it's not just people who don't have iPads. It's people who live in countries that don't have an iBook store. I mean, there's a lot of people who have iPads who live somewhere where they just don't have an iBookstore, there's only, there's 32 countries. I say only, I guess that's not really a, a good way to say it, but there's 32 countries that has this book for sale in it's iBookstore, but there's more than 32 countries in the world and, and we have listeners that are international. So, you know, we wanted them to get access to it. And I actually spent a lot of time working with this, both on the paperless and this book, looking for the most efficient way to, to put it out there as a PDF. And I tried embedding the videos and I tried, you know, Linking them. And the problem was the file was too big, and I knew it was going to be crashing on people's computers or whatever devices they wanted to put them on. And also, you know, the links weren't always consistently working. So ultimately, I decided the best way to do it is just make it really easy. And there's a file and there's a group of videos. And just like with the paperless, I have a file and the videos and the pictures and some of the other stuff as, t- as well. And so that way, if you buy the PDF, you get all of the same assets that you get as if you bought the iBook. Uh, but you will have to go find each video when you want to play it. Uh, but, you know, by formatting it in the iTunes format, then you could actually just drag them all into iTunes and, and load it onto whatever you want to watch them on.
0: Okay. And then your 60 Tips site, that's, that's done with Scorespace? No, no,
2: no. that's Brett. Brett is the, uh, is the man behind the 60 tip site. Oh, well tell us about that,
1: Brett. (laughs) What do you want to know? It's built from the ground up. It's gorgeous.
0: Yeah.
1: It's a static site. Okay, cool. Well, I mean, you know,
2: Brett, you know, people don't realize everybody knows him as such a, you know, super Mac nerd, but, brett does web stuff for like some you know aol and some of the biggest websites on the internet so i felt like i had a a lot of help there having brett on board for that book it's it's my
1: secret job the one i actually get paid for (laughs) yeah (laughs) we all have one of those apparently
0: Well, it's it's an awesome book. I, I think it's done very well because I know you were you were featured in iTunes, and it's it's constantly been at the the top of the charts in the, in the technology section. You still haven't quite taken over that Fifty Shades book yet, David. I know that's your ultimate goal.
2: Yeah, I know. Well, maybe we'll have to add some extra content to the next one, you know, to get you know, it there. I'm not if, sure.
0: If you could get a, a you know a little <laughs> special content in there, it might it might help.
1: Sixty yeah, naughty mountain lion
0: tips. <laughs> there you yeah. go. That that might help. But um, all right. Well, you know, I know we've we've got people who have tuned in to uh, to hear about uh, some of these tips. We're we're certainly not going to go through all of them because there's a there's a great book for that 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 they can pick up. But um, maybe we'll we'll talk about some of the highlights of them. But. Before we do, why don't we take a moment and talk about our first sponsor, uh, actually, our exclusive sponsor for this episode, and that is Smile. And Smile does great software for the Mac, but what we're going to talk about this show is their PDF software. And they've got products now for both your Mac, your iPad, your iPhone. Uh, your iPod Touch, and um, they, they're they just doing amazing things both in the Mac and the iOS platform. So let's start by talking about PDF Pen Pro and their newest product, PDF Pen Pro for the iPhone. You heard my iPhone just uh, chip up there because it was so excited that we were talking about PDF Pen Pro. I'm uh, sorry, PDF Pen for the iPhone. Uh, it's brand new, and David, you just did a screencast on this too.
2: Yeah, I uh, I did. I I got to uh, play with the beta, and I love PDF Pen. Uh, I always have been a big fan of the product because it just fits right in that good space for me, where it's not overly complicated. It does the the things I needed to do. It's not too expensive. It just seems to, to fit, you know. And uh, the more they embrace iOS, the more I love this app more because they they're the only PDF application that's on all three platforms. You know, on the Mac. The, the iPad and the iPhone. So that, what that means is they, they turn on iCloud and your documents just get shared across all of those platforms. And as an example, I've been hard at work on a contract at work and uh, we're trying to get it done. And then I went to Starbucks and got in line to get a T and I got a call from the client and he's like frantic over something in the contract. And I was able to just access it right on my phone because my iPad and my Mac were in the car. And and just go, because of iCloud, it was just on the phone already. I was able to access it and talk them off the cliff while we were sitting there waiting for my tea to be brewed. So, you know, it's just a really nice ecosystem they've created around the Mac and the iOS devices for PDFs.
0: Yeah. Now, PDF Pen both on the iPad and on the iPhone are pretty full featured. You can do all kinds of things like you mentioned you can sync it with iCloud so all, and with Dropbox, which is really the secret sauce I think that you can get, you know, both of your documents that are in Dropbox, which for me is kind of long-term storage for PDFs and then iCloud which again is kind of short-term storage for for PDFs that I'm working on immediately. But you can do things like if you had found a, a quick error in that contract or something that you needed to make a quick fix on, you could you could edit it with PDF pen, uh, you could send the file off to somebody, you could drop in a signature with PDF pen, you could highlight and you can make annotations, all from either the iPad or the iPhone. And although I carry my iPad around all the time, if I'm just out at Starbucks or if I'm out and about, I always have my iPhone with me in my pocket. And what that means is, I always have PDF pen with me no matter where I am. And having PDF pen on the iPhone, especially now, has been huge because somebody emails me something, I can pull it in off of my email into PDF pen for the iPhone or the iPad, depending on whatever I have with me. I can view it, I can highlight it, I can make some comments and then I can either, you know, if it's something I need to sign, I can drop my signature, I can drop my initials Then I can forward it off to wherever it needs to go and maybe then I'm done with it. I can just archive that message and never touch it again. Or if I've made edits or annotations on it or highlighted something, if it's maybe something I need to send back to my assistant at the office to make corrections on it, you know, I've, I've done it while I'm out of the office, I've sent it back to her and now she's back at the office working on it um and it's just automatically done and nothing else to do it's it's just absolutely amazing and and it, they're just no brainers you can buy a pdf pen for ipad for $14.99 in the app store and pdf pen for iphone is available for $4.99 and uh check out david's yeah. screencast for sure
2: 4 dollars 99 that's a steal yeah that really is. It's, it's a really good application, really well thought out. And it's got a lot of the most powerful tools from the Mac app right there. Like you said, corrections, signing. Um, it's, it's really nice.
0: Yeah, and it's just, like you said, always in my pocket now. I'm using it all yeah. the time. So uh, we'll be talking more about PDF Pen for the Mac in the, a little while, but thank you to Smile for their continued support of the show. So I was... The- so- going through this uh, 60 tips book and i i wanted to to highlight maybe some of my favorite tips some of your favorite tips and and things that that you wanted to share uh david brett do, do you do you have a favorite or a favorite section or something that you wanted to talk about
2: Well, I like, yeah. <laughs> I like them all yeah i like them all why don't you go first, Katie? Tell us one of your favorites as a
0: reader. All right. Well, I have been struggling. Maybe struggling is a bad word. I have really been trying recently to get a grip on email. You know, you've been, you've been hounding me for a while, David, about the, the need to get my email house in a, a little bit better order. And especially with some of the new iOS 6 features and some of the new Mountain Lion features, I, I've been working hard to do that. So you've got some of these tips in the book, and some of them I'm going to expand on a little bit. But some of the things that I've been been doing with Mail um, that expand on what you've been talking about in the book is you talk about moving messages back and forth using just the keyboard shortcuts. And you can do that in the mail application, you know, along the top line or the toolbar of the mail application, you can stick your favorite folders up there. And if you, if you look at them in line from left to right and just associate those with numbers. So in my case, I've got the inbox is number one, the archive is number two, the follow-up is number three. And you can even pull, you know, entire, um, you know, uh, mail accounts up there if you wanted to and, and then have sub-inbox or subfolders from there. So you can move a message to your favorite folder in the tool baller by just hitting command and control and the corresponding number that associates with that box. So yeah, if so I want to move something to my archive, which is the second one in my folder, I just hit command control two, and it goes to my archive. And then I have a couple of different email accounts. So If I want to hit something, if I always want to make sure that it goes to the archive of the appropriate account, you can also just hit Command-Control-A, and it will always move to the archive. So it will move to the archive of whatever specific account, because I have a a personal account, I have a Mac Power User's account, and I have a a work-related account, and I have archive archive mailboxes for all three of those accounts. So that's a cool tip. And then expanding off of that, um, I've also been doing a lot recently with VIPs. And I have turned off the ding both on my iOS devices and on my Mac for any messages that aren't from my VIPs. So once I've set a couple of people as my VIPs, and this is primarily my immediate family, a few close friends, and my law partners, um, they go into my VIP mailbox. And we talked about, I don't know if this tip made your book, but we talked about it on the show, that by default the VIP mailbox on the Mac but not iOS shows you all of the messages from that VIP, not just the new ones. So that if you go into Mail and you choose View, Sort By, you can show Inbox Only. So it shows you only the new messages from that VIP. then there's a
2: setting for that.
0: Yeah, and the Mail Preferences, you can choose just to get new messages from that VIP. So those have helped quite a bit
2: yeah you know I that one about sending the message around is really helpful, and yeah I don't know if you said it or not, but if you hold the command key down, you can jump between those different mailboxes as well without the control key so if you hit command one, two, three, four, it actually jumps around between the various mailboxes and uh this you know for the longest time, we all had to buy mail act on. Mm-hmm. to use keyboard commands to move mail messages around. And there's a lot more that Mail Acton does, but that was one of the key features for me. And now I just use this built-in function for the process of moving the messages around, and I've got really, really fast at it. Um, and I don't have all of my mailboxes up in that bar. I mean, there's some mailboxes that don't need to be there because I've got a lot of mail accounts between work and the various pieces of Mac Sparky. And my personal stuff, but it's really nice, and I, I use that all the time as well. Now, Brett, do you manage mail in uh, Apple Mail? I
1: did until last Thursday.
0: Wow. Oh, okay. What
1: happened? Uh, okay. The reason I use mail.app app is uh, Mail tags and Mail Acton. Yeah. And in recent versions, it's gotten uh, Mail tags is causing slowdowns and unacceptable delays for me and without mail tags mail's, mail is great but i don't i'd rather use mailplane and gmail keyboard shortcuts than huh, than deal with mail minus mail tags okay
2: so now you're over in gmail
1: yeah i'm i'm in mailplane which you know provides some of the standard mail shortcuts in gmail uh, but moving uh relabeling and everything is all gmail shortcuts, okay
0: now, do you think you 'll go back once whatever this issue is with mail tags gets resolved, or are you happy with MailPlan?
1: i I would actually like to go back um if I can get things smoothed out i would I would probably switch back to mail and you guys are making me want to do so more right now
2: <laughs> It is tough because. There's a lot. There's a really good case to be made for going all Gmail, and there's a really good case to be made for using this native mail client.
0: Now, do you have um, multiple accounts, Brett, that are coming in through Mailplane or that are filtered in through a Gmail inbox? Because to me, that has always been why I've I've used a client like Apple Mail is because I've got all of these, um, you know, various identities, I guess, that that I have to manage through a through a client.
1: I fill I forward and filter everything into one account. Mm-hmm. I have uh, I have three or four main accounts, but I've been trying to narrow that down. In my communications. Now that I don't own multiple businesses or anything, right? Um, but I reply to everything from the same account, so Gmail works pretty well for that.
2: Hmm. Okay. So, so Brett, what's what's one of your favorite tips in the book?
1: I'm a huge fan of uh, keyboard shortcuts, and I think my most used one is uh, Command Shift G in Finder, and uh, or just hitting tilde when you're in an open save dialog, and then being able to just type in a path with tab completion to jump to a folder without having to navigate through a whole bunch of you know directories. Yeah, that, that's a really nice one.
0: That's a that's a hard one to understand in audio without actually seeing it on the video. Can you walk us through that a little bit more? Sure.
1: Um. So in Finder or in an open save dialog, if you press Command Shift G, it brings up a just a little uh, sheet uh, dialog that you can start typing in. So if you start with a tilde, uh, that's your home directory. And then hit tab, it'll add the slash, and then type, say, DOC, hit tab again. That'll turn into documents, hit enter, and you're in the documents folder. I can cut down on my sidebar folders significantly by just uh, using a few keystrokes to get to them instead.
0: And it just auto-completes based on what you've last used?
1: It auto-completes based on the first match in the folder. So if you go into, like, library and type app the chance that it'll get to application support is narrowed down by the fact that uh application scripts will come first so you actually have to uh sometimes do a little backtracking if you use the autocomplete
0: very interesting
1: i wish i wish it used most recently accessed before alphabetical but mm-hmm. it doesn't
0: now, yeah do you use some the- um- Go ahead, Dave. Go ahead, Katie. I was going
1: to
0: ask you.
1: On
2: the Apple Apple stuff, that's very common. You know, where the third-party applications, I think, can be smarter about finding a folder with with typing the name, the Apple stuff is always very literal.
1: Yeah. I wish I could get, like, Z shell completion in that dialog. That would be amazing. Someone should work out a text input uh, plug-in that can do that.
0: Now do you use any of the third party um save dialogue replacement tools like default folder X or anything like that?
1: I do use Default Folder
0: X, yes. And I love it. I guess that could be a tip in of itself. I don't know. Did that did that make the uh did that make the applications part of your tips book? I don't I haven't gone through no, all those yet.
2: We, it was on the list at one point that we...
1: Yeah, we were pretty selective. We didn't want to make the whole book uh, third-party applications. Uh, that would have been misleading, I think. But we really could do a whole book on uh, just some of the great indie and third-party apps that are out there.
0: Well, there's your next book idea.
1: Already started.
0: <laughs> All right, so nobody steal it. David, what... Uh, What's your? What's one of your favorites?
2: Well, you know, on that theme of the save dialog box, I, we put in a tip in there that was really fun that went through all the various shortcuts available to you when you're saving a file that a lot of people don't realize exists. Like, you know, Command-D goes to the desktop, but you can also do um, Command-R, which reveals the file in the finder, or Command-Shift-N, which creates a new folder. All this stuff happens in the save dialog box, which I don't think a lot of people realize exists. So you can, when you're saving a file, you can actually do quite a bit that you didn't know was available to you. That save dialog box is kind of misleading because it's so simplistic and it really hasn't changed much over the years. Although uh, if you're a keyboard nerd, you can can make some magic happen. I thought that was a good one.
0: It surprises me how many people don't know about the little drop-down menu in the save dialog box because by default on a brand new installation... The save dialog box is just save and where, and you've got a couple of places that you can drop down, save to your desktop, save to your documents folder, save, you know, to one of a handful of folders. But then there's that little disclosure triangle that you can drop down and pretty much have access to the, you know, the entire file system.
2: Yeah, it is misleading. How about you, Katie? What's another one of your favorites?
0: Well, you had a whole section or whole chapter on spotlight and, one of a couple of spotlight tips that i you kind of talked around but i don't know that you named it specifically that i use all of the time is a couple of operating systems ago apple excluded and i think this was probably a pretty good move they excluded the ability to find system files in spotlight and i think that's because they figured the average person who's searching for a file in spotlight is is searching for a document or a photo or an email or one of their files i guess and the, the, actually the exact opposite was probably true for me. I tend to know where all of my files are because I have a very specific file and folder system that I, I use to, to file my, my stuff. And I tend to be, um, very, very, very good about putting things where they belong in my Mac. I, I wish my, my real life was as organized as my, my Mac desktop is. But, when I want to find something wacky in Spotlight, if I'm actually going to Spotlight to file something, find something, I'm, I'm usually looking for something more obscure, maybe something tucked away in, in one of the system folders or now one of the folders that Apple is hidden from us because, you know, like the library folder is hidden by default. And one of the drop downs in Spotlight, you know, you can, you can find all different kinds of files. And you talked about this at length in your book where you can, you can search by kind where kind is photo or kind is music or you can even get very specific and and you can search by things even crazy like the flash is on or the flash is off or the ISO is a certain thing. But what you can also do is you can search by kind is a system file or it's not. And by default, system files are excluded. And you can actually tell Spotlight to only find system files. And I've got that saved as one of my defaults that I can just uh, drag down and grab. And so often when I'm in Spotlight searching, I've got that check to say, yes, find me all of my, my system files, because that's really what I'm looking for.
2: You know, I always think that there's people at Apple that you know there's this this battle raging at Apple where they want to make it easier for people to use. They want to get rid of the extra i'd call it nerd noise that you get from running a computer, so normal people can just turn it on and start using it. but at the same time, the people who work there want all these powerful tools and the abilities to do this stuff and it always seems to me that whenever they they simplify things to our consternation, there's usually some kind of back door. Uh, to return that functionality, whether it's going in the terminal or in typing a command or or using like the search like you just described there's always a there's always another way it seems thank goodness for nerds at Apple then yeah, exactly
0: um another spotlight tip that i've I've used quite recently is I've just gotten a Mac on my desk at work and I keep very little on my work Mac because all of our files are saved on a, on a server and it's actually a windows server in the office. So everybody has their own file on this, their own folder on the server. And that's where everything is saved. It's saved on a, a local network drive so that everybody in the office can have access to everything. And I would imagine that many offices are, are set up this way and spotlight by default doesn't index network volumes. So, Whenever I was looking for a specific file or a specific document or a document that had certain language because maybe I was looking to see, oh, you know, I know another one of the attorneys worked on a case like this. I think they've got this type of form. I want to see what type of language they used. Can I pull some of the language that, that they used or, you know, why do I need to recreate the wheel when I'm pretty sure somebody else in the office already has this type of document created? So what I did is I wanted to enable spotlight search on our network volume. Previously, what we had used in the office was, um, what was it called? Google Desktop, I think, had a product.
2: Oh, yeah. I'm familiar with that product.
0: Yeah. And it's it's no longer being made or serviced. And I think you can perhaps download it Um if you can find a link to it, you can use it, but, but Google is no longer hosting it. I think there are a couple other people who are hosting links that you can download to it. But it it worked for us, and of course I, I can't download it anymore for my Mac, nor do I know that I would really want to. So when I was searching for things in Spotlight, Spotlight would just return results on my computer. Now if I go into the Finder and actually go to that network volume in search, I can, but it takes forever because Spotlight doesn't regularly index, and I just want to pull my hair out. So, I can, there's actually a terminal command that you can use to tell Spotlight to index a certain volume. And you want to use this sparingly because it can create a lot of traffic on your network if you're constantly indexing every volume on every network. In, in, in my case, I really don't need to. I just needed to index, a sp- you know, we have multiple volumes on our network. I really just needed to index a specific network volume where we keep all of our shared documents. And so if you go into terminal, uh, you can type mdutil uh, slash volume slash whatever the name is, space dash I space on. And it will um, set the uh, set Spotlight to index that network volume it's worked for me.
2: Yeah, that's a good one.
0: And and that's about as geeky in the terminal as I get. I'll leave the rest to Brett.
2: And, you know, we did put quite a bit of terminal stuff in there as well. And uh, that was primarily Brett's. So there's a couple terminal commands I added, but I think Brett was the uh, master of the terminal commands in this book. Well, what were some of your favorite terminal commands, Brett?
1: Well, we did try to keep them relatively simple, nothing... Uh nothing that required multiple steps, but some of the defaults commands uh, are really, really handy. Um, I think my favorite one right now is the one that speeds up the dock, uh, the show hide on the dock, which you can do with, um, it's called auto hide delay. And not only if if you hide your dock, it means that when your mouse hits the bottom of the screen, the dock slides up instantly without any delay. Um, But the best part about it is in, Full screen apps where normally you would have to hit the bottom of the screen and then do a second drag to show the doc. Yeah. It removes that second drag. Yeah. You just hit the bottom of the screen and you have a doc. Um, do you want me to actually read the command or should we refer to the book? Well, I mean,
2: I, I don't, I'm not trying to keep secrets from anybody, but is, is it, how long is this command? Is it something we can understand? I don't remember. I'm looking.
1: Well, for. all defaults commands start with the command defaults. And yeah. in this case, it's uh Specific to the doc. So it's defaults, write com.apple.doc with a capital D, auto hide hyphen delay space hyphen float space zero. And then once that's done, you have to use kill all, all one word, and then dock with a capital D, and that'll restart the dock with the new settings.
2: Yeah, and if you're a, if you're a terminal novice, all this stuff always feels a little intimidating and then commands like kill all anything, you know, make you worry a little bit, but all the stuff we put in the book is very tame. It's not going to, you know, wreck your computer. In fact, it's probably going to make it better. And uh
1: and you can undo any command by changing like the last part of the command, like in this case it's float 0. If you change that to float one, you'll restore your original settings. And that's true of pretty much every defaults command. You can change true to false or zero to one, and, and it's fixed.
2: Yeah. And once again, this is just the stuff these guys have done, really, to, uh, to make it more efficient for themselves. And they, they don't publish this stuff or put it out there. You've got to go find somebody who's cracked it. To get it there. Uh, one of my favorite terminal tips in the book is it's a, it's a terminal command that fixes something that that has dr- driven me nuts since Lion. I think it was Lion when this started. When you copy an email address, um, by default, the system now adds a whole bunch of nonsense. It adds the person's name and it adds brackets and it does a whole bunch of stuff. Whereas, when I copy an email address, I just want the email address. And so when you go to paste the email address, it puts all these extra text in and you have to go and you know, edit out. And uh there's a spotlight command I put in the book that when you copy an email address, now it returns to that behavior of just copying the email address.
0: I Am enabled I, that one immediately. Uh that's frustrated me for so long, and I don't know why I didn't change it, but as soon as I saw it in your book, I ran to the terminal and did it.
1: I yeah. always do that one, and then I always run into situations where I wish I had both. And it's kind of weird that I don't know. I wish I had a way to copy name or email address from like those little uh, token drop downs you get. Yeah. But it's not there.
0: David, yeah. what about you? We're- oh, you just did- Sorry.
2: I can give another one. I've got it. There's a lot of them in here. I like <laughs> the um. It, we we did different chapters. So there's a chapter on mountain lion, which is generally mountain lion tips. But there's also some some tips that were working before mountain lion in there. Uh, then we've got mail spotlight. There's a chapter on the keyboard shortcuts, just dedicated to keyboard shortcuts. And there's some fun ones in there. Um, the uh, let's see here. How about the um. What was this one here, uh, Brett, where no keyboard has gone before? And uh, that's where we had, oh, you know, we talked about that, didn't we?
1: There, uh, There's two that have similar names, and I think you're talking about the one that offers dialogue control?
2: Yes, exactly.
1: I don't remember what we ended up naming that chapter, but <laughs> but yeah, we, that we is. We tried
2: to get too cute with them. <laughs>
1: <laughs> My favorite title was An Icon Walks
2: Into a Bar. Yeah, that was a good one. <laughs> In fact, we're not going to explain that one. You're, you're going to have to buy the book if you want to. <laughs> the, uh, uh, or quitting quickly was a, one that was simple. Uh, when you're going through the command tab, you know, a lot of people know you can go through command tab, but a lot of people don't realize if you hit the queue while you're doing that, you can go ahead and quit the apps while you're doing it. I use that one all the time.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, I want to put you guys on the spot, and I'll, I'll give you a few minutes to think about it. And I, I want to get a, a, from you maybe a favorite tip or two that didn't either didn't make the cut of the book, or you know, you just thought about after you put the book together. So be thinking about that. But before we go there, let's let's take another minute and let's talk about our sponsor, um, Smile Software again. And this time, I want to talk about PDF Pen for the Mac because we talked about how great PDF Pen for the iPad is and PDF Pen for the iPhone is. But if you think PDF Pen for iOS is great, PDF Pen for the Mac and PDF Pen Pro for the Mac can do everything the iOS versions can do and so much more. And and if you really want to have the ability to access your PDFs on the go and have the full features of doing everything Uh, you wanted to and more to them back on your computer, PDF Pen for Mac is really the companion. So you can, uh, just with the regular version of PDF Pen, you've got full features like being able to edit your PDFs, you can redact text for your PDFs, uh, you have the ability to change and swap in and out photos, you can highlight, you can annotate. Uh, You can do all kinds of things with your PDFs. And then if you tap into the PDF Pen Pro version, you can do even more, like you can add table of contents to your PDFs, you can create PDF forms, and you can convert websites. And I use PDF Pen Pro for the Mac as my default PDF reader, and I have never looked back. In fact, I've gotten into the process of trying to um, streamline some of my client intake forms and a bunch of my forms for my practice. And instead of sending the same people, you know, Word documents to fill out over and over again or printing things, what I've done now is I've just created these documents and then I've used PDF Pen Pro to convert them into PDF forms. And everybody now is used to getting PDF Pen or PDF forms. You know, you get these forms, you fill them out, you send them back. And I'm sending my clients now PDF forms that they can fill out before they come in for an initial consultation and I've got all of this information ready to go and I can you know, save it as a PDF, add it to my file. And it, it's really look, making our office look a whole lot more professional because, look, we've got our act together, we've got all these fancy PDFs that we've sent out and at the end of the day I've got all the information that I need in one place on this form saved in my computer And I don't have to go searching all the way through the file saying, okay, well, where was this bit of information I need? Where was that bit of information I need? And then if I find something that I need to add to the form or if I want to recreate the form, it's so simple to do with PDF Pen Pro. And David, I know that you use the the bookmarking features of PDF Pen Pro all the time.
2: Yeah, you know, but I think I'd like to continue where you left off on the forms generation because I do okay. the same thing. And it's really a nice feature uh, because it's it's not just a, a blank text box. You've got radial buttons and, you know, it, it really lets you go through and create a professional looking form. Uh, once again, for a product that's it's $100, I mean, I just can't get over, you know, how much quality there is in this product at this price. Right. Yeah, Uh, I think it's good, uh, both in my my day job as well as the stuff we do for Mac Sparky and the Mac Power users. We are both constantly using PDF Pen Pro to get the job done. Right,
0: and then the regular version of PDF is no uh, PDF Pen is is no slouch either. It will. It will do everything you would ever want to do with a PDF and and so much more. You know, again, when was the last time you could, you could actually edit your PDFs? You can add text, images, and your signature, which is the most often used feature that I use with PDF. Someone sends me a PDF, I drop in a signature, drop in some initials, and send it back to them. You can change text, you can move and resize images, and OCR. We talked about how important that is for adopting a paperless lifestyle because you want to be able to use Spotlight to search inside the text of these PDFs. If you scan something in with your scanner, it's, it's really just an image file until you open up PDF Pen and have it do the OCR on it. And and now you've got so much more that you can actually use Spotlight to search inside the contents of that PDF. And once you've got the OCR text of that, you can you can go so much further, and, and you know as you've talked about in the past, David, you can trigger actions with Hazel, and you can automatically move those PDFs, and everything. You know, a whole different world of possibilities opens up um, once that static PDF image has turned into um, computer-readable text by going through and OCRing the document.
2: Yeah, and it does a really good job of the OCR. I mean, my I think I've said in the past in the show, when when I capture a document, I OCR it right with the Fujitsu software because I use the scan ScanSnap. But when someone sends me a document or I find an old document that doesn't have OCR in it, I just open it up in PDF pin, and it does it. It's got a very pleasant-sounding little bell. almost mm-hmm. sounds like a meditation bell and it's done, so it makes you happy. And you've got everything you need with this version, which is just the basic PDF pin. What you get from the additional version is the ability to add the bookmarks that allow you quickly index and see the documents which is really helpful if you're going to be looking at them on an iPad and you've got this ability to create forms but just for the general PDF management type stuff, reviewing, editing, annotating, you're going to be just fine with PDF pen and once again I mean these guys have made this excellent application, a fraction of the cost of the Adobe product available on the Mac and it just does it. I, I don't think that there's any question when I hook somebody up with a new Mac, I have them buy one of these two applications depending on how far down the rabbit hole they intend to go.
0: Right. And you can find more information out about PDF Pen, PDF Pen Pro, PDF Pen for the iPad and PDF Pen for the iPhone, which is new, over at smilesoftware.com. You can download a free trial, try it before you buy it. I guarantee you that you're going to like it after you buy it. Um and there's also a, a Take Control eBook. Did you know that of PDF Pen, where you can learn all of the power user tips? They actually said you can use this to become a PDF Pen power user.
2: Okay, I guess we're well, okay I'm not with sure. how it. I guess I'm okay with that. All right. Well, yeah. anyway, it's it's a great application. Um, if you manage PDFs or if you want to learn how to manage them, go check it out, and you're gonna be you're gonna be set.
0: Yeah. And uh, thank you to Smile for their continued support of Mac power users.
2: Uh, so Brett, we, we had a lot of tips when we set this thing up and we've got a pile of them that we didn't put in the book just cause we were kind of getting rain out of space. <laughs> but the, um, are there any that you'd like to share that, um, that didn't make the cut?
1: Well, a lot of the ones that I cut out of my own sections were, uh, ones like terminal commands that would take more explanation or, or potentially cause any trouble for someone who didn't know what they were doing, um, one of my favorites that I really wanted to elaborate on was uh, the ability to hide a dock, dock icon for any application and therefore make it feasible to open that application on a second monitor when you're in full screen in Lion or Mountain Lion. And uh, I, yeah, I don't, it's not complicated to do. It's just default, right, and then the application name slash content slash info and then ls ui element one will turn it into uh, a ue element meaning no dock icon but then you run into the whole thing where you lose your menu bar and you have to find replacement ways to access menu bar features unless you know all the keyboard shortcuts and it gets it gets a little more complex but the the Ability to do that until Mountain Lion gives us the ability to run two apps full screen on a two monitor setup, uh, it's it's one of my favorite tricks.
2: Yeah, and I don't understand why that is so difficult. I mean, I, I get that it's a decision they have to make, you know, as to whether they're going to allow people to do two full screen apps, or you know, as either decision they make is going to have um, unintended consequences for the user, you know, because then when you When you scroll between different desktops, are you scrolling one at a time or two at a time? And I understand there's an issue there, but it seems to me like this is one where there should be, at the at the minimum, a terminal command or something to allow us to turn on a different behavior,
1: or the ability for a third party application to fix it. Which I haven't. I don't think there's a way at this point.
2: Yeah, yeah. I'd like to see that get fixed. Hopefully, that you know, now that they're on this yearly cycle, hopefully that one gets some attention this year. Um I'll I'll tell you one thing I wanted to put in the book but uh, ultimately I didn't because uh it just didn't fit into a tip and I, it, it would have been very complicated but I wanted to go in depth about the new dictation application inside Mountain Lion and, and some of the best tools and tricks to to do that but that would have ended up being like a you know half hour screencast and we just didn't have the space for it um but you know if we if we do one next year maybe I'll try and figure out a way to to break that down into some some good tips it's
1: kind of like uh, hazel
2: tips. Where do you stop? Exactly. Really. It, we, and, and on some of those, we, we showed off some of our favorite, you know, little tips in there, but it really is just an opening the door to, to many things that you can do with these applications.
0: One of my favorite tips that I'm I'm working on, and I'll go back to mail for this. I'm working on an exclusive article for Don McAllister's new Screencast Online Monthly Magazine, so I I won't give up all the secrets here. Y'all you'll have to subscribe to his monthly magazine. It should be out in November's issue. Um, is I am really getting aggressive with my use of email filters, and I don't think you guys talked a lot about using email filters um, in the book. Yeah, and okay. and I like the idea the vip mailbox helps but i like the idea of creating my own kind of priority mailbox but i guess what i'm doing in in reverse is creating my creating a low priority mailbox by use of these email filters so i'm getting very aggressive with with creating email filters and i've got the luxury of i've got this mac mini that is always running at home running apple mail and using, because you can only do so much with server-side email filters, although the Gmail server-side email filters are quite good. So using a combination of server-side email filters and email filters that I've got running on this Always-On Mac Mini, just, number one, unsubscribing from all of this mail that I don't need just so it doesn't even show up in my inbox in the first place, and then going through and being very aggressive about I don't need to know every time I get a LinkedIn. In fact, I just need to get rid of my LinkedIn account, Uh, LinkedIn notification. You can't even unsubscribe from a lot of those. So I've got email filters that say anything from like LinkedIn, just automatically archive that. I don't even need to see it. I don't want to see it. And then I've got some things created which I kind of consider my low priority inbox where things like um, iTunes receipts, get automatically forwarded to, um, I get them automatically forwarded with a specific subject and they go automatically into an Evernote notebook because you can forward into an Evernote email address. And then um, Amazon receipts. I I want the receipts, but I I don't, I I want the shipment notifications to come to my inbox, but I, I don't necessarily need to see the receipts and things like that. So what I've done is I've created kind of a low priority inbox and, Uh, I just call that review. So I've got all of these criteria for email that I get very often that I don't want it to automatically archive because I want to be aware of it, but I don't want it cluttering up my inbox. So I've created rules for these types of messages that go into a separate folder that I have called review. And I don't get notification of those messages. They just go into the review folder. And then once a day, I just go through that review folder Check, see what I got. Most of the time, I just go through and archive that stuff, but I just want to be aware that it came in.
2: Yeah, I do a very similar workflow with that. I mean, the mail rules are very powerful. The, the shame is that they aren't server side. I mean, if the iCloud mail rules are pretty, pretty Abysmal. Um, lame. especially when you compare them to Gmail. That's the biggest attraction to Gmail to me is that I could offload all of this stuff to Gmail and let it happen on the server side. Whereas in order for this to work, I have to have this Mac running at home. But you know what? The good news is I have a Mac running at home. So it's not that big of a deal. I mean, as an example, when we do the PDF sales, I get a notification for every sale. And I do want to have a record of those, but I don't want to have to look at it every time it shows up in the box so that stuff automatically gets filed for me using a mail rule okay. and uh, if you spend a little time with those mail rules you can really you can really get more efficient with your email and that saves more time for the real emails that you get that you need to respond to.
1: Right. I, I have to ask have you guys seen SaneBox?
0: I've heard you talk about it. I think you talked about it on the last podcast where you were here.
1: Oh that would figure. Uh, it's that it it does a lot of that automatically for me and I greatly appreciate it. And is that
2: does that just work with Gmail or does it, that also work with Apple Mail?
1: I believe it it, it works with Apple Mail if you have a Gmail account.
2: Yeah, I mean, uh, so, there, there's several of those services like that, that, you know, take a Gmail account and add additional secret sauce for you. Yeah, um, But, you know, because I'm not a big aggressive user of Gmail, although my Mac Power Users account is Gmail, I, um, I've i never really fully embraced those. Instead, I do this homebrew thing with uh, the mail rules on my local Mac.
1: Yeah, I, I have a lot of fun with mail rules and smart mailboxes, but... Samebox takes away all the need to uh, to filter out like news lists and bulk mail and uh, non-essential. It's 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 pretty handy in combination with all the rules and and smart mailboxes that I use locally.
0: Here's a problem I have. I don't know if 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 I can formulate a rule to take care of this or if Sanebox would take care of it. Um, I typically. You know unless there's something major going on I, I typically try not to do a lot of work for my day job over the weekend um, unless of course someone is in my VIP list or you know it's something that I need to address and I want to be aware of what's going on. but uh, you know I have this this person who, for whatever reason tends to go on these email tirades at about one am on the weekends and will flood my email box with message after message after message after message that really isn't important, that there's no reason it can't wait until Monday. And so I'm not going to respond over the weekend, but yet I'm sitting here all day Saturday and Sunday with these messages sitting in my inbox, and it's just driving me crazy because, as you know, I like to have that clean inbox. And I'm just afraid that, you know, if I move it into a follow-up folder, I'll forget to follow up on it on Monday. I mean, obviously that's where something like OmniFocus comes in and you, you schedule it to follow up, but or any better suggestions? with
1: tickler mail. Yeah. That's, that's what I miss.
2: Uh, there's so much I want to say right now. I know of something coming soon that will help you with that problem, but I'm not allowed to say anything, so I'm just going to be quiet.
0: Okay. See, maybe, and, maybe, I'll, and- maybe I'll force it out of you after the show.
1: Not, I, I don't, I don't want to pimp too much, but with SaneBox, you can forward a message with a, a date. You can say like in an hour or on Monday Right. Uh, in the address of the email when you forward it and it'll just come back to you on Monday. That's
2: nice.
0: That yeah. is a good feature. That would be a good feature.
2: All right. Well, I'm going to have to look at SaneBox now, Brett. <laughs> yeah. If you want an affiliate link, just let me know. No, absolutely. If I send it <laughs> to me, we'll put it in the show notes. Okay. So. Anybody listening can try it out as well. All right. Um, well, you know what? That's that's pretty good. We've talked about several tips. And uh, hopefully everybody who's interested in learning more will go check out the book. It's a lot of fun. I'm really proud of it. And I think Brett is too. And uh, you can get it both in the iBookstore and as a PDF version. So go check it out and let us know what you think.
0: Yeah. And, and the website again is 60tips.com? Yeah. All right. Good deal. the uh, not Squarespace website, the custom Brett Turfster lovingly handcrafted website.
1: Yes, yeah. it is, and I it is updated. We got uh, we got info from Apple uh, suggesting that we use more uh, approved logos and whatnot. So I, I still need to update that. Yeah,
2: We'll get on it, man. We'll I'm, I'm it. on it. It's they, it's they the call it they call it um iBookstore, they don't want you to say iBooks anymore.
1: Right. So that's uh, I'm yeah. not sure they ever wanted us to say that. So there's some yeah. errant language on there. Not bad language, just errant.
0: Yeah. Well you better respond to them because you never know when when they might say, Well you didn't fix this in a timely manner, so therefore we're gonna yeah.
1: I'm on it.
0: We're gonna the, um, come down with the hand of Tim Cook and spite the yeah.
2: I'll tell you what though, you know, Apple has this reputation, but they've been always really good with me as a as a publisher. You know, both paperless and with the 60 Tips book, they've been very helpful. When I had questions, I got good answers. And um, the reputation has not matched the conduct in my experience. Anyway, hey, let's let's talk, you know, since we've got a little time here, let's talk a little bit about feedback because we've got a ton of it uh, that we've been kind of piling up. And I thought we'd just take a minute and catch up with a little bit, even though this is kind of a workflow show. Um, uh, So... A couple things. Uh, I got some email, and this is an email I've received from a lot of people uh, regarding paperless document storage. And they say, well, I understand your Hazel rule and how it goes to the action box and it goes to Dropbox or wherever. In the book, I talked about you know saving the stuff to a place where you could process it later. And they said, well, what about secure stuff? And what I do with secure stuff is I have a, a folder on my local Mac that is not Dropbox synced. And I just, you know, Hazel directs it there. And frankly, it's not a whole lot of documents that go there because I don't have that much stuff that's that important. But when I do, it goes to a local drive.
0: Yeah, we also had somebody write us along those those same guidelines to say, "Hey, what do you do when all of your paperless stuff fills up your hard drive?" And I wrote back and said, "I really haven't had that issue. And I've even got a a smaller hard drive. I've only got a 256 solid state drive in this MacBook Air." these paperless files aren't that big. I mean, my entire paperless directory is only a couple of gigs. And I understand that it will grow over time as these things grow, but so will hard drive space. So I just haven't found that to be an issue. Have you, David?
2: No, I haven't. Uh, And even adding OCR makes the file bigger, but it's just not an issue. Right.
0: Yeah. Brian and a couple other people wrote in, you know, I was lamenting about the podcast app and how much I disliked it and it was just doing all kinds of wacky things. And a couple of people wrote in, and I, I actually put a post on this over on my website, about how you can get podcasts back into the music app. And there are a couple of sometimes wacky things you have to do about um, force quitting and starting and restarting. But in a nutshell, what you do is you really just uninstall the podcast app. And in some cases, delete it from iTunes altogether. But if you uninstall the podcast app, your podcast will go back into the music app. Now, I have found that my podcast-related playlists haven't, in all cases, been fully restored, but I've at least got my podcast back in the music app, and that's good. It's um, it's really a shame, though, because the the podcast app is just so bad. Yeah. And I know, everybody's going to say, why don't you use Downcast? Why don't you use Instacast? I know that they are so much better, and and I've talked about my problem is I need something that still syncs with iTunes because I use a shuffle at the gym, and... And I like using my shuffle at the gym.
2: Yeah, see, if I were you, I would just pick a couple podcasts for the gym. Uh, Everybody
0: writes in with a solution. Why don't you get an iPod Touch for the gym? Why don't you pick different podcasts for the gym? Why don't you... Okay, I got it. I know.
2: I know there are options. Wow, you sound a little angry there, Katie.
0: I know. I know there are options. There's a
2: little bit of aggression in that voice.
0: But I want to do it this way.
2: Okay, I get it. All right, sorry.
0: Moving on. Next question.
2: You know, I was lamenting the Maps app And it's funny because I I haven't had that much trouble with the Maps app. I know the the current whipping boy of Apple. But uh, the one thing that I really didn't like about it was at night, it was killing my night vision because it was so bright. And I wanted to see the road as well as see where I was going. And uh, Mike wrote in with an ingenious solution. So he went into the settings, general accessibility uh, settings of the iPhone, and he added the triple-click button to invert colors. It's an accessibility option so now when i'm driving at night and i'm using the maps to get somewhere if i triple click the home button it inverts the colors so they're dark and kind of solves the problem it's not a perfect solution but i thought it was a really smart one That's so brilliant yeah i have to do that yeah i know i did it immediately and i've been using it ever since in fact i posted it because i thought this one couldn't wait
0: you know there are a lot of cool tricks that that people can use with accessibility. And kudos on Apple for building in all of these accessibility features for the hearing impaired, for the sighted impaired, uh, or sorry, for the visually impaired. But a lot of these features can, can be used by every, everyone else too.
2: Yeah. yeah. Um, our last show we did Finder Alternatives and we talked about Total Finder at some length. And one of the things I forgot to talk about, it was actually on my notes, and for some reason I just blew it, was uh, Total Finder has the visor mode. Uh, and uh, I don't know, have you ever used this, Brett? Do you, are you a Total Finder user?
1: I am a uh, daily Total Finder user. I, the old visor mode was uh, it, uh, buggy for me, but they recently, in a recent update, kind of rewrote the way that it works. And yeah, now it's pretty cool.
2: Yeah, okay. So Total, it, it's a it's a, a way it really just pulls down. And it reminds me of like when you used to play uh, games and you'd, you'd pull down the um, terminal to type in the cheat codes, right, on the PC. Yep. You know, but so it, it's really great. So Visor Mode is also there in Total Finder if you haven't seen that already.
1: And if you combine it with the iTerm2 Visor Mode so that your Finder comes up from the bottom and your terminal comes down from the top, it's yeah. awesome.
2: Perfect. Yeah. Now, that, that is how I imagine Brett Terpshire runs his computer all day. He just like that. actually is. Yeah. See? I knew that.
0: You know, it, after we, we did our 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 Finder Alternative show, we had a lot of people write in about Forklift. And this was an application I had on my computer that I didn't even consider. And I know you've talked about it on Mac Sparky, too, right?
2: Yeah, so Forklift... Um, you know, I didn't put it in the outline because it didn't seem to me like a Finder alternative so much as, um, you know, it really scratches a different itch for me.
0: Yeah, me too.
2: You know. Um, but it's so overlooked. Yeah. It's a great it's, app. It is. And you could use it as a Finder alternative because you can move stuff around on your Mac, but it does so much more than that. You know, it really is more about hooking into the outside world and, and plugging in and sharing files that way.
0: I, I use it as my FTP client. Yeah. In fact, that's how this show will be uploaded to 5 by 5 a little later today.
2: So you use Total Finder for that?
0: No, Forklift. I'm sorry, yeah. Whoops,
1: yeah. It is very fast for that.
2: Well, anyway, thanks everybody for writing in uh, some good feedback this week. Um, so Katie, where can you find us?
0: Well, you can find us over at 5by5.tv slash MPU or on our website at macpowerusers.com. And you can find their links to everything we talked about. And Brett, you've got a, sh- well, it's not new, but it's new since the last time you've been on here. You've got a show over on 5 by 5. Tell us about that.
1: It's called Systematic. And it, uh, it covers kind of nerd stuff, but also gets into the personality behind some of uh, the developers and and tech bloggers of your favorite applications and shows, and it is at 5 by tv slash systematic.
2: And it's a really good show, Brett. I've been really enjoying listening to it. Thanks, Thanks for lot. taking the time to do it. Yeah, I'm there, having uh, fun.
0: There are a lot of uh, new great podcasts come out recently, uh, both Brett's show and then a couple of new ones over on the 70 Decibels des- uh, Network, which is why I have to take my shuffle to the gym is because I've got more stuff I have to listen to.
2: Oh, it gives you an excuse to work out longer, right?
0: I, I guess so. I guess so. Um,
2: you can send us an email to feedback at macpowerusers.com and uh, Twitter. We're at macpowerusers and Katie's at Katie Floyd and I'm at Max Barkey. Yeah,
0: and Brett, David and Twitter I are, oh, yeah,
1: TT scoff, T T S C O F F.
0: David and I are both on app.net. Brett, are you on app.net now
1: too? Yes, same handle on app.net. The story is, uh, it, it, let's see if I can do it in 20 words. Um, my old handle on BBS's was T.T. Scofflaw. No, it was just okay. Scofflaw. And then I needed a, ba- a band, a name for the records my band was putting out. And I wanted to just be T.T. the last few, couple letters of my first name and then Scofflaw. And they suggested T.T. the Monkey Boy. But uh, but I won in the end. And I became T.T. Scofflaw. And then when I got an email address, when email became a thing, it just became T.T. Scoff. Well, you didn't make your 20-word no. limit, but now we know. How many was that? That was like 100. <laughs> was a lot. I'm sorry. Yeah, lot. I, I lost track. I ran
2: out of fingers. <laughs> well, well, thanks to uh, Smile for being the exclusive sponsor of this show with their great application, PDF Pin. And really, if you haven't checked it out yet, now's the time. They've got the full penetration to the whole Mac and iOS ecosphere. So whatever you're carrying in your pocket or in your bag, If it's got an Apple logo on it, you can manage your PDFs with a Smiles PDF pen. Yeah.
0: All right. Well, I think that will wrap us up, and uh, we will talk to you all again next week.